anyway. But anyway, last Sunday uh, I had the privilege of sharing the first chapter with you, and I just want to kind of tie that together in First John. Uh, you recall we talked about Christian fellowship in those first four verses. Uh, we talked about the basis of that fellowship is that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We share in a common life because we're united to Christ through faith. Then the scope of that fellowship told us was with all believers, universal church, as well as, of course, our local body and individuals. We have this fellowship that we share. It is a shared fellowship in the sense that God manifested His Son to us, showed His Son to us that we might share in this life. And then it's a shared fellowship in the sense that we share a joy which is complete as a child of God. And that's, that's what everybody wants, really. Everybody wants joy, uh, but they just look in their own places for it and they don't find it usually. So today I, I just want to continue because this, the last six verses of this chapter kind of build on those uh, first four verses. So let me uh, read verses 5 through 10. You may stand if you'd like to. You don't have to uh, as we read the scriptures here. But listen, and, and listen again for the word fellowship, and if we say, okay? And I'm reading out of the ESV. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Okay? Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the presence of your spirit who indwells your children. I thank you for the working of your spirit who brings conviction in our life. For, for those who are believers, uh, Lord, times when we allow sin to try to take root within us, I thank you that you love us so much that you make us aware of it. Lord, I, I pray for those who have not yet believed in Jesus Christ that your spirit would just be at work in their lives as well, opening their ears to hear truth, opening their eyes to see the truth of Jesus. God, that they would understand him and his glory, and they would just joyfully turn from sin and turn to Christ in faith and experience this life and this joy that is in the first four verses and all through this scripture telling us about the redemption of God, the life we have. So God, we trust you to do that which is right and perfect. We trust you that you're sovereign, you're able to do all that you will to do, and we thank you. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ I pray. Amen. Okay, as we go through these six verses here together, verses 5 through 10, uh, one of the things we will pick out if we go through here is the things that hinder this Christian fellowship, but not only hinders our fellowship, but also we're going to see some teachings that's going on here in the early church uh, false teachers have come in, Gnostics is what we call them, the teachings they have. And John immediately in this first chapter begins to deal with those as well. You know, it amazes me sometimes what people outside the church think we believe about sin and think they understand what we believe about 
the security of the believer. But, you know, really, usually they're confused. They, they really don't get what we believe. And these verses are really helpful in that sense. So we're going to go through these together. I want you to notice here in verse 5, when he starts out this second paragraph in this little book, he makes a statement about God. He said, this is the message which we have heard. And this message referring back to verses 2, 3, and 4 about this one that they had touched, this one they had heard, this one they had seen, this one they had looked upon, the Lord Jesus Christ is who they're talking about there, the life that we have eternal in Him. So he's saying, this message we have heard, and he says, we heard it from Him. John is saying, in other words, this truth that I'm getting to, ready to write here on this paper, it is a truth that Jesus Christ himself taught me. And now he is going to share it with us. So that makes it super important, doesn't it, that John begins our fellowship, our hindrance and fellowship with a doctrinal statement about God himself. He makes this statement in a positive way and then also in kind of a negative way, okay? The positive thing he says about God there in verse 5, God is light. Now that is a really important thing when we begin to think about our fellowship with God and our fellowship with one another. That is a foundational truth that we have to understand to really have true fellowship that God is light. David understood this. He wrote in Psalms 27.1. It's not on your board, but it's a short verse. The Lord is my light and my salvation. He understood that God is light. All right, what does it mean to us that God is light? Let me share just a few quick thoughts here with you. One thing in the scriptures, light very often refers to truth. And God is the source of all truth. God is the standard by which truth is, okay? You know, we hear people today say, well, your truth may not be my truth. Well, that is so false, okay? God is the standard of truth. We don't have our separate truths. Not one thing is true for me, and it's not true for them. Truth is truth, okay? And God is truth. He is true, all standards are by Him. The second thing light means, it is a reference to purity. It is a reference to holiness, to moral perfection. In other words, when we say God is light, one of the things we are saying is God is without sin. God is perfect. Okay? Another thing about light is it reveals, it makes things visible to us. All right? John, over in John chapter 3, when Jesus was teaching this truth about light, and it's verses 19 through 21, I, I want to read this to you. It says, This is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Now listen to 20. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. Why not? Lest his works should be exposed. Verse 21. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it might be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. So it tells us there Jesus is teaching. He says, listen, light reveals. It reveals that which is evil. It reveals that which is good. Light reveals. Also, of course, God reveals what? Himself 
through Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. The last thing I would say about light, it also has the idea of majesty, has the idea of glory. Psalms 104, verses 1 through 2. I love these verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You're clothed with splendor and majesty. Listen, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. Isn't that a beautiful statement that the psalmist wrote about God? That he covers himself in light. Man, that is so important. I love that, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Reminds me of folks we ought to sing when we get together, okay? We shouldn't listen. We should sing. As part of our transformation as a child of God, when we sing truth, it does a work within us, okay? So that's just a, a commercial in the message, all right? Uh, we need to be people who sing. And, and one reason is because it does transform. All right, the negative statement that he makes about God, in him is no darkness at all now there are some religions that say that God has both good and bad within him kind of like the little Buddhist symbol you see with the half black minnow and the half white minnow basically that's what's saying about man there's some good and some bad in every man that may be true of mankind but I tell you what it is not true of God John said the message that was given to me says there is no darkness. But what I like, John just did not say there is no darkness. He said there is no darkness at all. He is telling us, listen folks, God is light. And darkness has nothing to do with God. There are two Greek words for the word darkness, the English word. One is a reference to sin itself. What John only uses one time, and that's in verse 6. The other time that he uses idea of darkness is a reference to the consequences of sin, okay? So that's just something you might keep in mind as you read through the little book of 1 John, which is a great book. But that's the way he uses that idea of darkness. So here we have this comparison in verse 5. We have the light of the symbol, the symbol of light, which is a reference to joy, uh, which reference to happiness, a reference to life. And then we have this symbol of darkness, which is just the opposite. Darkness is a symbol of sin and unhappiness and death. And he says, in God, he is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So one of the truths that, that, that flows out of this, what hinders our fellowship, flows from this truth. We start with the foundation, God is light. He, his character is what determines our fellowship with him. Okay, we don't say to God, listen God, I want to fellowship with you, so I need you to bend a little bit so we can get along. That's not what God says. God says, I am light, and in me there is no darkness at all. So you and I, we have a problem. If that is the basis of our fellowship, we're not talking about relationship, although that is the basis too, all right, light is, but we're talking about our fellowship. If we're going to fellowship with God, the basis of His character is that truth. So let's look at what verse 6 says as we build on this truth that, Jesus, that God is light. Verse 6, notice it says, If we say, If we say we have fellowship with Him, while we walk in darkness, 
we lie and do not practice the truth. I want to really get you to hear me here again, and I'll say this probably several times. We are talking about fellowship with God. We are talking about believers who are already in a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, through what Christ has done on the cross for us. We're talking about fellowship here, how we get along with our Heavenly Father. So he says, if we say we have fellowship with Him, remember fellowship means to have in common. It's something like when you have a potluck fellowship, what you come around, what you have in common is the food. Okay, potluck fellowship. When we talk about Christian fellowship, we're talking about us and God. We have something in common that brings us together like in friendship. And in Christians, we have something in common that brings us together in fellowship. So he says, if we say we have fellowship with him, God, who is light, holiness, pure, separate from all sin, that is his character. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness. Remember what darkness represents? Darkness represents sin. All right? So he's saying, listen, if we say we have fellowship with God while we walk in sin. The idea there of walk means a lifestyle. It is in a, in a tense, which is a present tense. And, and this is really important in the little book of 1 John. Present tense, walk, is the idea of something which is a continual ongoing practice okay so he's saying listen if we have a continual ongoing practice of walking in sin walking in darkness and we say listen we have fellowship with God although we're continually living in sin John inspired by the spirit of God says this about you he said you lie and you do not practice the truth that's pretty blunt, isn't it? That if we as a Christian, if we have allowed sin to take root in our life, and sin is what is guiding our walk in life, and we're going along thinking that, man, our fellowship with God is good. We're getting along with God. We're buddy-buddy. John says, listen, you lie, and you do not practice the truth. He is saying sin disrupts our fellowship with God. Regardless of what we say, if we are living in habitual sin, we are not in fellowship with God. We are lying to others, and we are lying to ourselves, and we are lying to God if we live in habitual sin and say, God and I, we're buddies. And, and I just say we're buddies because friendship, fellowship. John would say, nope, there's no way, friend. That's a lie. Okay, what else does he say here about this in verse 7? And I'm just going to read these verses separately to put it back fresh in our mind. But, you've probably heard me say this a thousand times. When you see the word but in scriptures, you ought to wake up and take it, make attention to what's going on here. Because but is a contrast. And he had just said something about walking in darkness. And then he goes, but, now here's the contrast to what I just said. And he talks about our fellowship with one another. But... If we walk in the light, as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So over here he's saying, listen, Christian, 
If you are practicing sin continually in your life, you're not in fellowship with God. But if you walk in the light as He is the light, you got something in common, don't you? What's fellowship? It's when you are in common and you share something. It's like the idea of friendship. So he says when we're walking in the light, when our speech and our attitudes, uh, our actions are controlled by truth and controlled by God, we're living a life that is pleasing unto God, filled with the Spirit, then that is our way of life. We are walking in the light. He says what? You would think, well, well man, that's great. If we're, living in the, if we're living in light, then that means we have fellowship with God. But look what he says. We have fellowship with one another. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, listen, friends, you cannot separate your fellowship from God from your fellowship with others. I think I might have mentioned this last Sunday a little bit. It don't work. If you are out of fellowship with God, it's very likely you're out of fellowship with the body. And the same thing. If you're out of fellowship with some Christian brother, very likely you're out of fellowship with God. Why? Because you're allowing something in your life that really represents darkness instead of light. And we can't live in continual darkness and be in fellowship with God. Let me just kind of throw this out. Let's say there's two believers, maybe even sitting here today. You can't talk together. You can't look each other in the eyes. You can't smile. You can't tell a clean joke and laugh about it because there is something between you. Now, I'm not saying both those people are out of fellowship with God, okay? They might be, but for sure, one of them is. One of them is out of fellowship with God because he's out of fellowship with this other Christian, all right? And if you're out of fellowship with a Christian, you're out of fellowship with God, okay? That is why it is so important in the Word of God. It talks about you and I being able to reconcile and work things out between us and have fellowship with one another because it is related and connected to our fellowship with God. And man, I tell you what, if you're out of fellowship with another Christian today and it's because of you, you have some bitterness in your life because of something she did or she said or, or something like that and you just can't turn loose of it and it is their fault. Their fault. It's not my fault. It's their fault. But you know what? You're the one who's harboring, harboring ill feelings within you. You're the one who's walking in darkness. And God said that disrupts your fellowship with Him and with that other Christian. How important is fellowship to you? That is the question. Do you really want to be in fellowship with, with one another? See, when we draw near to God, we draw near to other Christians. That's just the way it works. You know, I think of the idea of a magnet. If I was to take a bunch of metal shavings and, and, and put them down there and, and take a magnet, big old strong magnet, and put it right in the center, you know what happened to a lot of those? They would be drawn immediately to that magnet. You know what? They're not only getting closer to that magnet, but they're also getting close to each other. And that's just the truth. When we are close to God, we are close to His children. Okay? Just like when all the sheep gathered around the shepherd. They're not only getting close to the shepherd, they're getting together. Our fellowship with God is directed to our fellowship with other Christians. 
So man, I, I just pray, I just pray for you. I, I don't know that anything like that's going on in this church body. This is a wonderful, loving church body. But I tell you what, don't play games. All right? We can play games somewhere else. If you're out of fellowship with someone, man, you, you need to love them. And if it's fault, your fault, you need to get honest with yourself and say, you know what? Yeah, maybe they did do that. But you know what? They're still enjoying fellowship with God. And they're still enjoying fellowship with others. But you're the one that can't get along with them. You need to get right first with God and then with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Fellowship. How important is it to you today? I think it must be important to you. Or why would you be here today? So we see the seriousness of sin concerning our fellowship with God. You know, we, we try to separate them. We just can't separate them. You've got to be in fellowship with God to be in fellowship with believers. And your fellowship with believers affects your fellowship with God. Both of those are truth. So let's look what he says real here, quick will here about sin because that is what hinders our fellowship with God and one another. What, what are the truths he says here? Well, uh, the truth one we just talked about, sin disrupts, destroys our fellowship with God, with others. I, I could use a quick illustration here if I might. Uh, it's an illustration of a parent and a child. You know, there is a relationship between that parent and that child. Why? Birth or adoption. There's, there's a relationship that is not going to be broken regardless of what that kid does. That kid may go out and do the worst things you can imagine. Still your kid. Why? They were born to you. Same way with our relationship with God. If you're a child of God, you have been born to God, that relationship is not going to be broken. That's not what I'm preaching on today, but I want you to know that. That is right. Fellowship is something else. If you've got a child that is disobedient, doesn't do what you ask him or her to do, they talk back to you, they just live their life the way they want to, if you're a good parent, your fellowship is being strained with that child. You're getting along with them as being pulled a little bit. Oh, you still love them. You love them to pieces. Why? They're your child. But you know what? You're not happy with them. You're not happy with them. That's how the fellowship is. And that's the same way with our fellowship with God. So, so we, we learn right off that our fellowship is disrupted. Now, what's important about that is Gnostics, they believed that, that you could... Have all the sin in your life you wanted to sin and still be okay with God. Okay? That, that's what they taught. And regretfully, that's what some people believe today. That you can just live in sin and everything's okay because, hey, I've been saved. And you are okay as far as justification. But, man, if you can live in sin and not care about your relationship and fellowship with God, I would really encourage you to make sure you're a child of God first and foremost. If you desire sin more than you do righteousness, Okay, so truth one, Gnostic said you can still live in sin and be in fellowship with God. The material does not affect the spiritual. John immediately says, yes, it does. If you walk in darkness, you're not in fellowship. Okay, so what's the second truth here we see about sin? It's in verse 8. And verse 8, he says, here we go again. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not within us. All right, so here's another truth. Gnostics believed that through enlightenment and superior knowledge, they could reach a place of no sin. We would say a place of perfect sanctification. 
There are people that believe that today. Maybe some of you. Well, let's see what God's word says in verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not within us. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, dear friends, if you can say today, this morning, that you have no sin, the truth is not within you because the truth of God's word clearly says there is sin within us. Listen to Romans chapter 5. Verses 12 through 14. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men. Why? Because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was the type of the one who was to come. So God's word is very clear. God's word is that every person who ever walked on the face of this earth, except for the Lord Jesus Christ, has been a sinner. Everyone. Every one of us, we will have sin in our life as long as we are walking in this old body. And you know that. So if you really believe, if you really believe today that you are without sin, John would say to you, you are deceived. You know what deceived means? It means you believe a lie like it is the truth. The lie is you can't be without sin as long as you're living in this old world. Okay, that's the truth. The lie is, says, oh no, I've become sinless. I've really reached perfection in life. You're lying and you're deceived, okay? The truth is not within you. We saw what the truth said. So when we're walking in the light, we clearly see our sin. Verse 10, you see what it says? Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not within us. The tense here, the have not sinned, is eros tense, which means this person is saying, I have never committed a sin. That's what he's saying in verse 10. He's saying, listen, I have never sinned. And you and I who are the children of God, who have spent any time in God's word, knows that that is more ridiculous than the first two things. You know, they're saying, listen. And, and, and we say it in different ways today. We say it like this. I don't need a Savior. You know, maybe some of you here today, you're thinking, this stuff, it's just a crutch. For the weak people, why I do not need a Savior. I don't need forgiveness. Because, see, it's when we understand that we are a sinner in need of a Savior that God by His Spirit and by His Word begins to do a work within us that makes us spiritually alive and gives us this life, this eternal life that we talked about last week. So we know, first and foremost, as a child of God, I am a sinner. These folks are saying, no, not me. I've never sinned. Yeah, right. Okay? And that's what Gnostics would, one of the things they would push. They would push the idea that I am sinless. You know, if listen to what he says here in verse 10. If they say we have not sinned, they are making him, God, a liar. When we say we have not sinned, we are saying God is a liar. Why? Because God says we have. 
the importance of understanding this truth about sin, it goes clear back into the Psalms. Psalms 14. See what he says here as the psalmist. Psalms 14, verses 1 through 3. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They are abominable deeds. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have been corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Does that sound familiar to you if you're uh, familiar with the New Testament? Listen to Romans chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. He says here, if I can find 10. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. I tell you what, brothers and sisters, a person outside of the grace of God, a person who is chosen and willingly prefers darkness over light, man, they are in a terrible situation spiritually. You know, you may be here today and you've not yet believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and you think you're fine and everything is well. That is not what the truth says about you. The truth says you are in darkness, that you are enslaved to sin. And when we are, not, when we are saying these kind of lies, if we say, it says his word, truth, is not within us. Because the word makes it very clear Sin disrupts our fellowship with God, with each other, makes it very clear we cannot live in habitual sin and have fellowship with God, and it is very clear that all of us have committed sins because we are sinners. So what do we do in this situation? What do you do when you're a parent and your child has really blown it, you know, and he disrupts your fellowship a little bit? Well, let's see what God does. What, what is this triumph? That you and I as a child of God share in over sin. I say share in because it is a victory that has been won by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection defeated sin, Satan, and death. It is his victory. We share in his victory when we share in his death and in his resurrection. Because we place our faith in him and what he has done and who he is. Then we share in his victory. Now let's see what this victory is in verse 7. When we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Now what does this mean? We, we say when we are saved, all our sin is forgiven. One of the songs we sang this morning said that about our sins. All our sins are forgiven. So what is John saying here? What in the world could he mean if all our sins are, are, are forgiven? Well, all our sins are forgiven in the sense we are justified. When we trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, God declares us just. Okay? He is a judge, and he looks at the death of Jesus Christ. He looks at our being united to Christ, and he says, you are justified. All our sins are put on Christ for our salvation. John is dealing with our sanctification. He is dealing with how you and I live out the truth 
of Jesus Christ being within us. See, Jesus died not only so we could be out from under the penalty of sin. He also died. Please hear this. He also died so we could be out from under the power of sin. No longer were you and I as Christians have to be a slave to sin. No longer does sin have to control you and I. We're going to be tempted, but we don't have to surrender to temptations. We do not have to sin today because of what Christ has done. Romans chapter 6. And I would encourage you to read all of Romans chapter 6. Romans 6 verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present them Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. Listen, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but you are under grace. Read that whole chapter. He's saying there, listen, you and I do not have to live our lives under the power of sin. Now, I'll be honest with you. We go through seasons in our life where it seems like the same temptation just hits us and hits us and hits us and hits us every day. You know what we got to keep doing? We just got to keep obeying God, listen to His truth, and walking in the light. And prayerfully, one day that temptation will lose its battle with us. But when we walk in the light, it said the blood of Jesus cleanses us from these sins which we struggle against. Cleanses is continual tense, which means, listen, as long as we are walking in the light, the blood of Jesus just continually cleanses us of these sins which disrupt our fellowship with our Heavenly Father. Now you and I should be able, when we are tempted, to say no. Because see, dear friends, when we are walking in darkness, we do not see the danger because we do not see the truth. But when you and I are walking in the light, as he says here, when we are walking in the light, we should see the dangers of sin. Man, when we're staying in the Word and the Word is taking root in our hearts and we are walking in fellowship with God and walking in fellowship with others and man, a temptation comes, we understand that temptation is trying to drag us to sin. So instead of yielding ourselves to that sin, we say no to that sin. And we, by the power of God, the grace of God, continue to walk in the light. I'm not saying the Christian life is an easy life. Okay? We have struggles in life and we suffer in different things. But listen, we do not have to surrender to sin. If you are a child of God, you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you. You have the truth of God within you because the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And you as a child of God should be able to see the difference between darkness and light, sin and life. All right? So he says, listen, that's one of the things. That's one of the things that you and I share in. We share in the continual cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ. What else? The last thing. He says in verse 9, 
If we confess our sin, easy to remember, isn't it? Cleansing and confess. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess, a really easy definition of confess is to agree with God about our sin. We don't lie about it. We don't try to cover it up. We don't try to make excuses before God. We just go to God and say, God, I gave in to this temptation. It was sinful. I don't want to have this sin in my life. Please forgive me. All right? That is what confession is. And I want you to note again. You know, I keep pointing to the character of God. Whose character is confession based upon? He is faithful and just. doesn't say we're faithful and just. It says he is faithful and just. And I am so thankful that this, this what I'm sharing with you today is based on the character of God and the character of Jesus Christ and not our own character. Because we are not always faithful and we're not always just. But God, he is always faithful. He is always just. In other words, faithful means we can count on God to do what he says he will do. He will keep his word. He is just which means he will always do what is right. What, what, what do we think of when we talk about a judge who is not just? A judge who is not just is someone who lets people off. When people do something wrong and the judge says, Ah, don't worry about it, go on. Or he's, somebody, he's a judge who says, who says to a good person, Well, I'm going to punish you. All right? That is a judge who is not just. That is not God. God is faithful and he is just. And when we go before God and we say, God, I have sinned against you and only you have I sinned against. He is faithful. That means he will keep his word and he has promised to forgive and to cleanse those who confess their sins before him. He, he is faithful. He is just. All right? All right, we could look at other scriptures, but we'll continue on here. So what is the confession? The result of that confession? Cleansing, forgiveness. Not only just cleansing, cleansing of all unrighteousness. He removes every speck of guilt when we come before him in honesty about sin. Every speck of guilt. He says, I forgive you. I cleanse you. Not because you're so good, but because he is so good. He is so faithful. He is so just. Man, you know, we could look at a lot of scriptures about how Jesus has taken on our sins, and he certainly has. That's why you and I can be justified. That's why a holy God can say to an unholy person, you're forgiven, because Jesus has paid our debt. All right? So that, that is based upon the character of God. Dear friends, I, I would say to you this morning in closing, for fellowship with God, for our relationship with God, we are dependent on the grace of God. That's why God's word says that we live our life grace unto grace. Because our whole life, our whole walk is a walk of grace. A walk of understanding our justification is because of the character of God and the character of Jesus. Our sanctification is based upon the character of God and the grace of God. Man, it is all about God. And if we want to be in fellowship with the Father, we walk in the light. If we want to be in fellowship with one another, we walk in the light.
And that is the challenge from here. Don't let sin disrupt your fellowship. Now see, every person in here, as the scripture told us, we're all sinners. None of us can say I've never sinned. None of us can say that. None of us can ever say we're perfect because we're sinners. It's our nature. That's who we are. We're sinners. Yes, we get a new nature. I agree 100%. But I also say, you know what? That old nature, we just struggle with that thing our whole life until someday we die and we lay aside this old body and we take on the new body that Christ has given us. So, fellowship. So the question for believers, are you in fellowship with one another? This morning, is there any person that comes to mind that you're really out of fellowship with. I'm not, I'm not saying you got differences about something. You know, we're people, we like different things. So it's okay to have differences with each other. But or is there someone that you're out of fellowship with? Something that just, you are harboring something in your life that just keeps you from walking in friendship with that person. What about God, friend? Are you in fellowship with God? Are you walking in light? You're walking in truth. And then, of course, the last thing, what it starts with is your relationship with God. You have to first and foremost be in relationship with God before you can be in fellowship with God. Are you in a relationship with God? How do you enter a relationship with God? It's simply believing what Christ has done on your behalf, who He is, the Son of God who came in the flesh and lived a sinless life. Living a sinless life, he went to a cross, took on our sins of all who would believe, took those sins to the cross and died, paying the debt of sin, then laced in the grave for three days and resurrected on the third, defeating again sin, Satan, and death. And it's when we as an individual places our faith in who God is and what he has done and we turn from our sin and we turn in faith to Christ, we experience what God's word calls a new birth, a new life, life eternal, relationship. Are you in an eternal life relationship with God? That's where it's got to start. Okay, let's pray. Lord God, you are majestic. You're clothed in splendor, the word says, with light, glorious. God, for us to understand that. And God, you know our hearts here this morning. This, this word is so clear, the scripture. doesn't leave a lot of room to not understand it's clear, God. We're either in fellowship with you or not. And we're in fellowship with other believers or we're not. It's, it's just very clear to us. And sin is really what disrupts it. And I just pray, God, that your spirit, even if it's just one verse or one sentence that struck our heart today, God, that we'd be honest before you about it. And we would come before you in humility. And we would confess our sin and then we would walk in the light where you would just cleanse us. The blood of Jesus would just continually cleanse us of our sins. So thank you, Father. You know our hearts. You know what we need to do today. Maybe some today need to publicly profess that they are trusting in you. And I pray that you'd give them the courage to do that. Maybe there are believers here today that don't need to go to each other here in this body, but they need to outside go to each other. And really make things right between them. Because your word's very clear, God. we got to be in fellowship with each other. We can't say that we love our brother who we see. And we say we love God who we cannot see. That's an impossibility. 
If we don't love our brothers, we don't love you. So God, help us understand those truths. Help us bow our hearts before you today. And Lord, I pray for my loved loved ones, my friends who cannot be here today because of illness. Uh, I lift them before your throne of grace and ask that you administer to them, that you would give them healing to their bodies. For Jim Bird and his family who had a brother-in-law die in a wreck just the other day. God, I pray for them. I pray for your grace, your strength in their lives. So thank you for loving us. May we honor you in this closing song. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Bonnie's.